Girlfriend, here is your show. Girlfriended, your chance to connect with other women, especially the woman that is most overlooked, yourself. Girlfriended is all about helping you become self-aware, not self-involved. The aim is to provide information that relates to life, which leads to real connections and results in a desire to connect or care for those in need. And now the women want to help you in more ways than you can count every day. From the website, GirlfriendIt.com, and the movement, GirlfriendIt, here are Patty Wyatt and Lisa Jernigan on Toginet.com. All right, Lisa, I've been chatting your ear off this morning, highly caffeinated, talking about what do you think about second chances? I know, that's an interesting topic, right? Um, we've been talking about so many different things, and but I, we're really excited. Um, so everybody know that coming up next on our show is Mike Foster, who is the author of People of the Second Chance, and he has had a powerful story that kind of brought this to life in his own life, and then he just really has such a desire to help other people. And, you know, this whole thing with second chances, that's an interesting concept because sometimes we think we're outside the realm of second chances. And sometimes we're just longing for a second chance. And it, and I think when you live, just understanding the whole second chances, there's so many emotions wrapped up in that. And I know Mike's going to kind of help us unpack that a little bit. But, um, you know, whether it's something that you, you did, you know, a long time ago or, or recently, I think, you know, just having this conversation, realizing you're not alone, that we all are at a place at some point in life where you go, gosh, I just want to do over, you know. So before, though, we get too far into our show and our conversation about Second Chances, we just want to remind everyone that you are listening to Girlfriend at Radio with Patty White and Lisa Jernigan, where we rally you to do the remarkable through resources and relationships. And we're going to have more information about today's show and other tips and tricks on our website at girlfriendit.com. And don't forget to follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Well, going back to Second Chances, I know so many times – uh, we we do let our past define us, and we we think of that either that mistake or maybe a situation or an occurrence in our life that we kind of wrap it up and you know put a bow on it, and it might not be a very pretty bow. It might just be this gross, disgusting bow. But whatever it is, that that kind of becomes our package that we store away somewhere, and mm-hmm. every once in a while we. We somehow unwrap it and just, uh, I don't know where our listeners are in that season of their life. If they're at that place where they are able to um, put that package away and truly just surrender it over to God, or if you're holding tight to that, that package. And I know you and I have talked about just the, the different seasons of life where um, I know for me, in that land in between where you're you're waiting for the promised land and you realize that you you have a choice you can either wait for that promised land or you can be present and in the moment and uh not wish your life away but truly embrace that land in between like the israelites you know walking through the Mm -hmm. desert and you know, wanting the the manna, wanting all this, and then getting it, and and then not appreciating it. And I know so many times. I, I know right now I have a dear dear friend who has been struggling with cancer, and I and I feel like so many times when we we say that it's like oh, you know, so many people are struggling with with cancer, but 
she just recently had to go back to the emergency room and she's there right now. And I, you're just begging God, okay, give her that second chance. Just let this be, just breathe into her that miracle. And I know so many people that we love are, are experiencing maybe something like that where you're just going, okay, God show up, you know, we've been praying so much and it's hard sometimes when you see that God's saying no to you, you don't know what that, what that looks like, but once again, to, to embrace it and see what other people are are going through and being empathetic and just loving. And I know we've, Mm -hmm. we've talked about this before with all of the social media. I think it's easy to, um, to let that, that chatter that you see of everybody doing, you know, and having these, you know, maybe it's, the wonderful vacations or, you know, they just got a new job or, or whatever it is. And we, even that we kind of have these pity parties where we let life define us that we're not where we're supposed to be. And I'm well, going to talk about that land in between. And that is not a fun land to be in a lot of times because it's like, you're, you're waiting and you're in a holding pattern and you feel like I don't fit going forward. And I don't really fit what I just finished. I'm just kind of in this holding thing. And like you said, then I'm, I'm watching everybody. I'm watching so many people around me, like amazing things are happening. And it seems like they're all in the promised land. And in that place, and they're like, here I am. Um, I'm waiting still. And it's like, okay, God, do you hear me? Do you see me? And, um, and it is an interesting place to be. But we all have been there. Or maybe you're there right now. And just like, okay, God, what do you want me to know about this place? right now that I find myself in, in this present moment. But I know like how you and have had so many conversations, like, you know, just of doing ministry together for so many years and, and um, trying new things and um, making decisions, you know, and it's always, we always say, gosh, hindsight, and we all know hindsight is 2020. And it's like, gosh, if I would have known then, um, maybe I would have made a different decision or I would have done something differently. And, and it's like, yet, we always are, we tend to start punishing ourselves. It's like, why did I do that? And, and it's, it's instead of going, you know what? I made that decision. Now what do I do going forward with it? And God does redeem and restore. And, you know, how do I, how do I become better because of that? Or how do I use that as a huge learning curve and a huge learning experience to go forward and like, okay, I know now what not to do. And here's some things I'm going to try. So I think you and me have, you know, always, we, and unfortunately we have each other to like process out loud with and go, okay, what do we think about that? And, and you're in it together. So that really is a good part about having community around you to go, okay, I'm not in this alone. And I have other people to like process with me and to, to ask me some questions and to be there with me and to support me through that time and support each other. And that's really what we need. Absolutely. And, and so many times, we don't realize that we need that. And, you know, you go through life going, I'm good. I, I have my spouse or I have, you know, I have work or whatever. And then, but we were created for those relationships and to really surround ourselves with that support. Because when we isolate ourselves, we're not getting very good advice. Sometimes we're not the best advice giver to ourselves. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. It, it it changes things. I know when when I talk about the the land in between, uh, you and I had um, 
basically sold our ministry and then it changed. I mean, I had, you know, you and I were connected at the hip and it was like doing life with your twin. And, you know, if one of us had an email, it was, you know, this marriage almost where both of us, you know, it was like, are you responding or am I responding? So then when, when that went, went away, even though you knew God had these individual plans for us, um, it was so much my identity that you didn't even realize as you're, as you're being separated from in doing ministry that, uh, you know, I look back now and go, I wish I would have woken up and, you know, made, just get out of that desert a little faster. Mm -hmm. But then Mm -hmm. you go, that all was significant. Like you almost have to have those desert moments. You have to be wandering and really searching. You know, that's when I think God does his best work. And Mm -hmm. now I'm, I'm out of that where all of a sudden you realize, okay, this is the next season that God has for you and he has wonderful things for you. Um, But I think the biggest, if I could look back on my desert time is to watch the self chatter and having that Mm -hmm. support group, like you're talking about, because you, you know, once again, you give yourself some real poor advice because you don't realize that 50 to 60,000 negative things that you're pouring into your head and you need someone to go, okay, is that from God or is that from the enemy? Because God doesn't talk to you that way. And and those aren't the truths. And Mm -hmm. um, I think that's what's so important about having that support group or that life group. But you make an interesting point. It's the stories we tell ourselves. You know, and, and we, we tend to be so unkind to ourselves. And and we, we have a conversation with ourselves that we wouldn't have with anybody else. And and it's like, even how do I, you know, how do I talk differently to myself um, and being kind to myself and um, giving myself permission? But like you said, you know, sometimes um, these journeys are meant to be alone, though, too. You know, I like to talk about the desert time because I, too, was in my desert time. Um, I mean, we both had that, that same experience with, cause we both experienced a loss of kind of identity and, and ministry. And, um, and it's like, okay, now what does this look like? And I think each person has to wrestle with that in their own way sometimes, because that's where you find God, you know? And it's like a lot of times, you know, you know, that's how we always talk about, you know, just coming off the Easter, you know, resurrection, you know, it's like, sometimes you have, you have to, well, you do, you have to have a death before you have the resurrection. And, um, and that's a painful thing. And we don't, we don't desire that, but yet it's in that process and in those times, um, you know, and, but, and, and it's learning how to celebrate moments too from the past, you know what I mean? It's like, how do we celebrate so many things? And, you know, you and me have so many amazing stories that are so fun, you know, and we're continuing to make memories. It's, you know, we're not done. It's not like, it, it, but it's, it's like, it's amazing just um, how you keep going and repackage. But I think that's always how life is. Um, and especially for women, we're always in a transition, like, and always finding ourselves saying, who am I now? And, and going forward into the transitions, whether, you know, we're talking about, you just had your, your oldest move out of the, you know, move out of state. And, you know, that's a huge, that's a huge transition. It doesn't, when you're used to having all your kids around you, and your, your nest is right here in full. Now your nest has been disrupted. And, um, and, and that's an interesting place for, for all of us, you know, to see that. Um, and, to, and, to, and to, you know, to be like, okay, so what does this look like? And maybe I have a new normal. 
and just kind of, you know, allowing ourselves to, to adjust and to kind of just um, adapt to that and, and, and in, the, in the place where we find ourselves. Mm-hmm. Well, at one point we decided that we were going to celebrate with cupcakes. That was going to be, you know, we, we were laughing that we need some type of like sacrifice, like, you know, in the old Testament where they had to go out and slaughter a lamb, like ours is going to be slaughter a cupcake. And, uh, so <laughs> I, I think, you and know, you know what, I'm all over that. I, I, <laughs> well, hold that thought. Cause we are going to take a quick break and we are so excited to Foster when we return. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. My husband and I were in youth ministry and knew nothing about church planning. But as we felt God leading us to start a new church, we were connected with Stadia. They gave us coaching and personal care, giving us the confidence that we needed. They even have a ministry called Bloom that's designed to support me as a lead planner spouse. We now lead a church in Cleveland, Ohio that's transforming lives, and we couldn't have done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. Reaching out from the heartland of the United States with quality programming, this is Tokinet Radio. It's Marching Christmas traditions vary around the world. Citizens of Finland visit the sauna on Christmas Eve and listen to the national piece of Christmas radio broadcasts. Norway is the birthplace of the Yule log cake. And in Greece, many people believe in goblins that cause mischief during the 12 days of Christmas. Captain John Smith drank the first eggnog in his 1607 Jamestown settlement. Nog comes from the word grog, which refers to any drink made with rum. Since Christmas arrives in Australia in the middle of summer, jingbangs or crowds of Aussies celebrate at the beach with beer and Skittles. This is the time each year where we have to climb up to the sky parlor or attic to fetch our Christmas lights. What's the word for decorating till we're about to collapse? Flip-floppers. I'm Carolyn Davidson, and you can have fun challenging your words-you-never-heard vocabulary with my free app, Too Funny for Words. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, welcome, welcome. We are so excited. We have Mike Foster on our show today. He is a nationally recognized expert in helping people break free from hurts, dream new dreams, and find purpose in their pain. His tools show people how to crush shame, unhook from unhealthy habits, and find freedom. Mike has appeared on Good Morning America, Fox News, and in the New York Times. Welcome, Mike. How are you today? Hey, guys. Great to be with you today. 
All right. Well, so a couple of things, Mike. First of all, your new book, um, People of the Second Chance, I'm just gobbling up. Love it, love it, love it. And secondly, um, you are very photogenic and you have amazing white teeth. So I, that's just free <laughs> for all of our listeners. I'm just saying. <laughs> so that's um, very, that's very kind of you. I, I, it's weird how, uh, I actually get a lot of comments on my, my, my teeth, which is, I, I'm not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing, but I'll, I'll gladly embrace it. <laughs> well, I think I've, <laughs> I must be a little and I bit. Can't let you know, my teeth are a really big deal to Patty. So um, you have no idea what a compliment that is that she just paid you. Thank you. Thank you so much. So I'm, I'm sure you came on the show so we could talk about your teeth. But uh, I just want to say, um, let's just, you are such an amazing storyteller. And when, whenever I read books, you know, such as yours, I, I think, you guys make it look so easy. You know, it's like watching the Olympics and it's like, I could do that. I could go, I could go run the mile. That's not a problem. And so when I'm reading your book, I'm thinking, ah, I, because you so hit, you know, that heartfelt feeling where it's like, I could write a book. I could, I could make that happen. And then you sit down and try to write a letter to your child and, and you can't think of one sentence. So you are amazing. I just want to ask you, tell us your story. Tell us like why you, you wrote this and start from that time when you were 19. What happened? Yeah. So I, uh, I was on a, uh, boating trip uh at the Colorado River with some friends and uh I was driving a powerboat and pulling a skier and what I, I I was he motions does a little you know skier motion that he wants to turn around and go the other direction and so I began to turn the boat into what I thought was clear water and unfortunately it wasn't clear water in front of me there was actually another skier from another boat that had fallen into the water and was waiting to be picked up. And because of the speed that I was going, because I didn't see him in time, I wasn't able to turn the boat in time and I actually hit him. And I, I didn't just sort of bump him or brush by him, literally ran over the top of him with his powerboat where the propeller, not to be too gross or graphic, but literally the propeller of the boat ran up his arm and broke off in his head. It was a absolutely horrific mm. bloody accident on the river and your know, life just changes in those moments he would um he would be uh medevaced to hospital he'd barely survive he, he'd be permanently disfigured there'd be a, a lawsuit there'd be a criminal case there would be just and then of course just the shame and the guilt that i felt carrying you know carrying this for literally years of my life because of what i had done to the to the skier and so I I write about this in the book and I talk about I, I think every one of us has what I call toothpaste moments where the toothpaste comes squirting out of the tube and no matter how hard you try to get the toothpaste back in the tube you know it's not going back mm-hmm. and I think there's things mm-hmm. in our lives where we wish we could hit the erase button or the redo button or rewind something and try that one again and unfortunately life doesn't play nice like that and we are left with these our failures our mistakes our poor choices things that people have done to us and have hurt us we we have this stuff and now what are we going to do with it and how are we going to show up for life every day um and it can be can be 
something that breaks you or it's something or it could be something that gives you a new strength and resiliency. And that's really what the book is about. That's what my life is about. It's helping people turn their setbacks into superpowers. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and Mike, at the time um, of the accident, where are you in, in just your faith journey? Yeah, so I I was uh, um, attending church. I, I had grew up in the church. And one of the things that was really interesting in terms of my faith in that, that standpoint, there's sort of this sense of, um, well, you just turn to God in those moments and he makes it all better. And, uh, it, and all of that makes sense sort of when we are not in those rock bottom moments. And, you know, for me, faith was and forgiveness and sort of second chances was all a nice concept for other people, but not so much for me and what I had done on to that skier on the, on the river that day. And so for me, the really the whole journey of that accident and really in every decade of my life, I tell people I've hit a rock bottom experience where, um, and, and not just rock bottom. I feel like it was rock bottom and then rock bottom had a trap door and the trap door was mm, released and wow. I went even lower. Um, but the, the sense of, um, leaning into God's love in those moments and knowing that even though I didn't like myself, even though I was, I felt ashamed of what I had done, even though people would tell me like, no, it was an accident, all that kind of stuff. There wasn't a sense to where, um, I really actually believed the things that I read in the Bible or the things I heard in sermons and what people are telling me. And I think that's the, that's the kind of the war that goes on inside of our hearts in these moments is like, we're either going to believe that we're forgiven, that grace is real, that God loves us or we're not. And we get to make that decision. And so I always want to be someone, a force in the world and a force in people's lives when they um, have gone through difficult things to say, Hey, listen, um, let's go back to who you are. You have value, you have worth, you have dignity you have a purpose and a plan for your life. Let's not get sidetracked because this thing happened or this thing went horribly wrong or um, whatever the, whatever the rock bottom moment might be. Mm. Well, you have in your book, you talk about after this incident took place, uh, you have several new rules upon your life. Is that, is that what you're talking about? Or do you have other rules besides that? Tell us, tell us about those. Yeah, well, I think in general, what happens is uh, we we set up these what I call condemnments, uh, these new contracts for our life, where we start believing certain things about our future, who we are, our identity, and they all flow from uh, pain, trauma, uh, accidents, failures, whatever it might be, whatever trauma, traumatic thing that happens in our life. And sometimes for people, trauma happens very early on, like in their childhood. Okay. And, and that, whatever the trauma is, it begins to shape who we are and what we believe about the world, what we believe about relationships, what we believe about love, what we believe about God, all that stuff tends to get shaped and these new rules get shaped by pain. And so one of the things that I believed about, about my story uh, with the boating accident was that because I had screwed up so badly on the water that day that now the water was off limits. And I didn't tell anybody this. I didn't sort of verbally announce to the world that now the water is off limits, but 
I made this contract in my mind that because of the damage that I'd done on the water that I would no longer go on the water. Mm-hmm. And I loved the mm-hmm. water. I loved being on the water. I, it was part of like, it brought me life, but I thought, well, this, this is a way that I can respect the person that I permanently injured. It would be, it make it made so much sense. And that's the thing with these contracts that we make with ourselves. <laughs> they make sense, right? For yeah. example, like if you, if you had, maybe you've gone through a messy divorce or something like that and, and you got, well, love is no longer in my future. I, I'll never be loved again. I'll never find happiness in, in marriage again. Um, maybe you've been betrayed by somebody, you've been hurt by somebody and you say, well, I'll never trust someone again. And all of that kind of makes sense to ourselves. Like we're really good at convincing ourselves of, of, of these new rules, but those are not the rules that, that God brings to the table. And the rules that he brings is like, Hey, listen, freedom, grace, second chances, forgiveness, wholeness. Like those are the things, those are the contracts that he's made with us. It's just a matter of whether we're going to believe it or not. Mm. Well, that is such a hard decision that we have to, we have to choose to believe that when everything inside of us, the emotions and is, is telling us otherwise in the story we're telling ourselves is, is you know, is like not that, um, it, it, it's interesting. I, I like how you said you came up with these new rules and this kind of this, this contract with yourself and, and how we do justify so much of that. And um, like with the situation with you, like, you know, I, I'm not going to get on the water. I'm going to respect this person. So we just have a couple minutes. We have to take a break, but how, how long did you, um, did you follow that, those, that con- your, your self-inflicted contract? Yeah. So this is the thing that I, that I, you know, if I have regrets about my life, this is one of the larger regrets that I have is that I actually followed this rule for almost 20 years. Mm. I stayed off the water for almost 20 years. And um, I just think about all the life that I missed out on, all that enjoyment on the water, all the, the things that just like trusting God with, with all of that and just saying, you know what, I don't have to believe this rule anymore. And, and so, and that's how powerful these contracts are. That's how powerful these new condemnments that we write over our life can be, that they steal 20 years of our life. Mm. And so I want to be a champion for people and say, listen, let's challenge some of that thinking. Let's challenge these new rules and say, we don't have to live this way anymore. Oh, that's, that's so good. Um, and I think that's for each one of us. We're like, what? What, have, what contracts have I created, maybe unwillingly um, and not even realizing that I have these, these set of roles that I've created, almost as a way to punish myself and without realizing it, that needs to change. They're not what God would have for me. It's not God speaking into me. It's not rules God would in, inflict on me. They're, they're what I have created. And so what a great way to start looking at our own life and go, what is it? What am I carrying around? Um, and I don't need to carry, and maybe I've been carrying it for 20 years, like you said, and it's like, okay, it's, it's time. It's, it's done. We're done with those rules. So anyway, good stuff. We're going to take a quick break and we're going to be right back with Mike Foster.
This is Girlfriended on Togginap. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on Girlfriended.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend it. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriended Radio right after these. We were thriving in a youth ministry when God clearly called us out of our Bible Belt comfort zone to plant a church in California. Stadia's 90 plus percent success rate gave us all the confidence we needed. They also cared for us through amazing support networks to encourage us like Bloom, a one of a kind ministry for planters' wives. It's here I find deep friendships with like minded gals who want to change lives. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. For more information, go to stadia.cc. This is the Tokinet Radio Network. Radio with a cutting edge. Secret Cuisines and Sacred Rituals is a quest, a place, and a feast. Join host Vilasi Venkatachalam every week to explore myths, mystique, old medicine, and brilliant modern solutions through a dazzling kaleidoscope of cuisines, cultures, and cures. This is the place where tribes gather, strangers and familiars, to be memory keepers and makers of our evolving, enduring, evergreen, spoken legacy of wisdom and ingenuity. In Velocity's words, when we do old things in new ways and new things in old ways, we paint with an inspired palette, weave our own healing traditions, and become our own guru. Velasi is a troubadour of secret cuisines and sacred rituals. She collects stories of wisdom in ingenuity, and grit. She believes wellness and transformation happen when you stand at the threshold of delight and discovery. She displays her hidden penchant for drama when she leads the safari at the supper club. Her favorite pastime is to extol the marvels of cuisines, cultures, and cures. To her audience in workplaces, seminars, and salons, her mantra is, be your own guru. She is a biochemist, botanist, and alchemist who likes to churn delightful, useful things from a brew of art and science, ancient and evolving, old medicine, and new cures. Join Velocity every Friday at 11 a.m. Eastern Standard Time, only here on the WooHoo Radio Network. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio, a chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. Well, we have been chatting with Mike Foster, founder and chief chance officer of People of the Second Chance. And Mike has appeared on Good Morning America, Fox News, and in the New York Times. And Mike, right before we went into the commercial break, you were talking about how powerful our self-inflicted contracts are. And just the, the real pain, the real hurt, um, just your, your boating accident story. And you also, on the break, you, you went into the fact that you actually do training on how to be a good heart handler. And what a great term. Uh, Lisa and I always talk about, you know, having heart partners in your life. And so I, I love that. Be a good heart handler. And I also want to to go into your your story and you share a horrific experience that happened in your life, um, even over and above this incident with the, the boating situation, but also a time where this elderly woman in your life 
um, did some things to you. And as I, I was reading this, I thought of so many people that have shared these deep, dark secrets and they don't want to expose that or share that with anyone because they don't want that to be their identity. They don't want, oh, that's the person that had this happen to them. So we just kind of pack that away. And can you share a little bit about that? Like, I I can't even imagine um, how bold that was to even write that and to, to worry that now that becomes who you are. Yeah, totally. So one of the things that I, I write about in the book is uh, something that happened in my early childhood where I was sexually abused by a elderly, elderly woman uh, who had, I had been put uh, entrusted with. Uh, she was entrusted with my care. And, and, um, and, and in sexual abuse, any kind of abuse, honestly, uh, that happens early on in childhood, uh, carries with it, I think, just this this next level shame, and um, and my I just felt so compelled, and honestly, I, I that was something that I had not talked about much uh, because number one, I felt a lot of shame. I mm-hmm. didn't want my story and my life to be identified by that that moment and and by those things, and sort of be like, oh gosh, I don't want to just be talking about this, this trauma mm-hmm. for, for the rest of my life. I, 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 and so we run these, these concepts and this happens a lot with anytime there's sexual abuse, number one, just the shame that goes with that. And that, that, and the shame creates the secrets. It creates a lot of this, the dysfunction that happens in our life. Um, and so I just felt that number one, if I really and smoking what I'm selling. You know, if, I'm, if I'm drinking mm-hmm. my own Kool-Aid about this idea, there's nothing in our stories that is off limits and that we don't have to be ashamed. We don't have to live in bondage around things that have happened to us. Um, then I need to share it. And honestly, I, I got to tell you, there was, there was so much fear writing those words. Uh, there's still, I'm still trying to get in a rhythm of even talking about it because it has been such an off, off limits part of my story. Mm-hmm. And so, but, but one of the things that I, I'm discovering and not about, not only about this, this part of my, my history uh, as it being abused as a child, but the voting accident, just anything that has been a difficult season of life. Um, the more we talk about it, that the more, as soon as those words get out that say, I have been abused. I have been molested. I have been hurt. I have been betrayed. I struggle with whatever fill in the blank. That it is in those moments that that freedom begins to rush in. That the power and the bondage that those things have have had over our lives begin to break down. And and so for me, like I want to be a champion and advocate for people talking about the difficult things, talking about the things that hurt, the things that feel shameful, the things that that we don't want anybody to know because we feel if they knew we would be rejected. Um, and so to me, it's like there I have no see. I, everybody knows everything about my life for the most part. It's like I have no secrets anymore. And I got to tell you that that is a beautiful, free, life 
giving sort of story that we can lead when when we actually don't have secrets or we don't have parts of our stories that we feel like we need to censor. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, okay. So there's so many things here that I want to unpack because when listening to you talk about that freedom, people want that, you know, they, they're drawn to that. And it's like, I want that too. But if I tell my story, not as in me, but so many women, Lisa and I work with, uh, they're in the sex industry. So they come with these just morbid stories, these horrific stories, Mm -hmm. but there are people that they love in their life. And this is where it gets so twisted, you know, that you thought, okay, I'm going to hurt my, my parents because if they know they put me in that situation, they're going to be devastated or I'm going to hurt this woman that I'm talking about here. So how do you deal with that where you don't want to expose, you know, that, like you said, just the creepiness of things in your life. Cause then you're you, trying to protect people, but try to share your story. Yeah. So this is why I say so much of that. So again, those are rules. Like I need to protect my parents, right? I need to put protect the family, but those are, those are um, concepts that again are formulated in trauma. We believe that uh, incorrectly believe that because of the things that have happened to us when really the truth is, um, you know, the Bible talks about the, the truth when we when we talk about things that are true like that that releases us into freedom but as long as we're sort of protecting the family secrets protecting our own secrets trying to you know make sure that everything's perfect around us make sure that everybody's happy that is an exhausting life that is not a free life and so we've got to again challenge some of the 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 things that we you know, we're kind of living in the future, right? Like if I say this to my parents or if I say this to my spouse or say this to a loved one, this is what their, their response is going to be. That's, that's fortune telling, okay, for, for our own stories. And it, you don't know. What actually might happen is you share your story. And number one, you experience known freedom in your own life. But maybe they respond with compassion, and love and gratitude that you have told them that mm. again, the thing, especially with abuse, especially early childhood abuse, traumatic things happening as children. What we do is we take a childlike mindset strategy to how we're going to handle this secret or this pain instead of saying, mm. no, 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 that's, we need to step kind of, I, I always encourage people I'm counseling and coaching them to step out of their story and say, if you were, coaching somebody else with this exact situation that you're in right now, what would you say to them? Would you say, Hey, no, let's keep it a secret. Keep, no, don't tell anybody, protect the family. Would you, would, would that be your coaching or counsel to them? Or would it be, no, you need to tell somebody you need to begin these conversations, but it's so cl- Our pain is so close and, and so tied to our identity and who we are that we get very, our, our, our thinking gets very clouded. And honestly, I think it's something that the enemy uses in our life to really keep us trapped and in bondage. Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. you're creating conflict with Lisa and I, cause she just called me an interview hog because I, I keep wanting to ask the question <laughs> <laughs> and she wants to talk here too, but Hey, you're, 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 you're speaking our secrets here. There are secrets behind the scenes. <laughs> That's great. You're only listening to Mike and exposing. Yeah, you're wanting freedom, right? 
<laughs> so, so I, I want to, okay. So I, I love that you're saying that a lot of this is the enemy. And I think our listeners need to hear this, that, um, we think it's the truth and it's really not what God, God's truth. It's not what God wants to bring to the table. So as a church, I think we, how could we go about this a different way as a church to help people to truly tell their, their story? Because there's a lot in here, especially when you're talking about uh, sexual abuse at a younger age, because it exposes something when we're over here saying, be pure, do you know, God designed you this way. So we kind of pack the guilt on um, those so I'm not going to tell you my story. Are you kidding me? So how do we even go about that? Yeah, I think you bring up a really great point is that sometimes in our doctrine and theology and what we teach, there is this added pressure to say, it's not okay to have a not so perfect story. It's not okay to have gone through abuse and whether, and usually it's very subtle, but people we're, we're smart creatures. We realize what's okay to talk about and what's not okay to talk about. And so I think the church in general needs to be moving in a direction of getting a lot more messy, getting a lot more like, hey, listen, we know what the ideals are because we've talked about the ideals of our stories and, and God is good all the time and all the time God is good. And, and we love that stuff, right? But there's also this thing that we live in a broken world we are imperfect people. Um, I don't have all of my stuff together. You know, I've got pain. I've got um, addiction. I've got divorces. I've got, you know, whatever it might be in our story. I got kids who are out of control, whatever, you know, mm-hmm. it's like, that's the stuff that the church needs to start leading out in the conversation. Because what's happening, my, what's, what I see happening in the church is that if we continue to put out this idealistic, non uh, fully true story about what life looks like, the church slips into greater irrelevancy because people, the hurting world will look at that and go, that's not for me. Those people don't get me. Those people don't understand my story. And so they go, they, they will go somewhere else for help. They will go somewhere else for uh, fellowship. They will go uh, speak. They will look for truth and solutions in some other place besides the local church. So my, my prayer and my hope is that the church talks Mike, about this Mike, stuff so stop. it becomes a hospital. Mike, okay, I'm so sorry. We have to stop right there. And, and on the message, yeah. we're going to take a real quick break. We'll be right back. This is Girlfriend on Togginet. Don't forget to tell your friends to check it out on GirlfriendIt.com. It's time to discover it, connect it, propel it, Girlfriend It. And we'll be right back with more Girlfriend It Radio right after these. My husband and I have always wanted to plant a new church. After 10 years, God finally affirmed that in us. We thought we were on our own. We never imagined that there was an organization that could partner with us. That's when we got connected with Stadia. They have incredible systems in place to support our family, including a network designed specifically for me, the spouse of a church planner. We could have never done it without Stadia. Stadia plants churches that intentionally care for children. We won't stop until every child has a church. 
For more information, go to stadia.cc. It's the Fitness Minute with fitness expert, Annette Hammond. To get the most nutrients, is it better to cook vegetables or to eat them raw? The answer is not black and white. Some nutrients in vegetables, like tomatoes, are actually enhanced during the cooking process. A study by Cornell University found that heat increases lycopene levels and makes it easier for the body to absorb this vital antioxidant. But research from Food and Nutrition Science found that raw vegetables contain higher levels of antioxidants. Cooking methods decrease water-soluble nutrients such as vitamin C and can rob vegetables of important nourishment for the body. The bottom line? Whether vegetables are cooked or raw, you'll get more benefit and nutrition from the vegetables you eat than the ones you don't. Consuming five to nine servings of vegetables a day is the best approach. For the Fitness Minute, I'm Annette Hammond. Welcome back to Girlfriended Radio. A chance for you to let your hair down, curl up with a mug of whatever you love, and have some nice girl talk. It's Girlfriended, the radio show on Toginet.com. And now back to the show with your hosts, Patty and Lisa. We are back with Mike Foster, a nationally recognized expert in helping people break free from hurts, dream new dreams, and find purpose in their pain. And uh, we... Well, as a matter of fact, we're just claiming you as our new BFF. You're going to be our new girlfriend here, Mike. So I, I think we're okay with awesome. that. Awesome. <laughs> I'm totally run. okay with that. I, no, I run, love run. being your BFF. <laughs> well, that's awesome. Um, so we just have this last segment here. So now, now we're down to the minutes. So we have to make these minutes count. And in your book, you share a powerful story about a man named Dieter. I, I'm, I hope I'm saying that right. Uh, who uh-huh. was always trying to present himself as perfect. So I, I relate to that. I, I think I am perfect. I think that's the problem. So <laughs> I, I need to hear a little bit more about this. And, and Lisa will roll her eyes right now if you could see her. Um, so mm-hmm. share, share this story with our listeners. Yeah. So Dieter is just a guy who uh, really was at the top of, top of his game. You know, he was a really amazing communicator, uh, musician. He just was killing it. And then um, had something happen uh, in his brain that just one day woke up and his brain wasn't working right. And uh, he literally, his life was sort of on, you know, the mountaintop and went straight to the valley. And now Dieter works, uh, works at a local Trader Joe's and sweeps the floor because that is um, really all his brain can process. And, mm-hmm. and he's no longer on the platforms. He's no longer in the shining light. He's no longer has, you know, thousands of people inspired by, you know, his, his talks and, and his music. But, but the thing that I love about Dieter is that he has come to a realization that it doesn't matter where we're at or what we do, that our life matters. Our life has inherent dignity and value and worth. And so I I use that story as just a a gentle reminder to all of us is that um, wherever we're at in our stories, 
whatever season you might be in right now, that it matters to God. Your story's not done. It doesn't mean life is over. It doesn't mean, and again, these are some of the contracts that we make, like my life is over. I will never find joy, happiness, fulfillment, meaning in my life again. I think Dieter could have certainly grabbed onto those messages, but he didn't. He said, I am going to you know, sweep the floors at Trader Joe's mm. with joy and feeling the lavish love of God all over me every single day. Mm. Mm. You know what? That's so, that is such a good story because it, you know, this whole thing with identity and it's such a key thing in here. And, and we tend to look at our lives um, looking backwards and, and what we do see is the brokenness and the messiness and the disappointments and, and the failures and, we allow that to define us going forward. So just as our, you know, for our listeners those listening going, okay, you know, they're thinking about that thing in life that, you know, we, I think a lot of times we have that thing and, and life is defined by pre that thing or post that thing. Um, mm-hmm. How would you encourage people on this journey of truly embracing their identity? Like, it, does it start with just, you know, re, re, kind of that renewing of your mind? Like, I have to ha- tell a different story to myself. I have to, t- you know, how do I really try to see my life through the lens of God, which who is, a, you know, a good, good father, a good God, um, and, and seeing ourselves in that way, not in the way of the world, but in the way of God and the kingdom. Yeah. When it's like a, first, I mean, that's a, that's a loaded question. It's a loaded thing, but just even starting the journey for those that are going, I'm stuck in my story right now. Yeah. Well, one of the things that I think you bring up there that's so important is that realizing that it is a journey as we begin to rehab our identity, as we begin to move closer to what God says about us versus what society has said about us or what our pain has said about us. And I write about this in the book is that it really the starting point for all of this is identity. It is uh, knowing who you are. And I talk about this at length about, uh, you know, you are not your failures. You are not your worst moments. You're not even what society says about you. You're not even what you believe about yourself. Okay. You are who God says you are. And God says that you are beloved and beloved. Basically, you know, I always say like, the instructions for living as the beloved are in the word itself. And, and it's basically be loved. So when you have failed, let God love you. When you feel insecure or afraid, let God love you. When you hear that little mixtape, that negative mixtape playing in your head saying that you're never going to amount to anything or you don't, your life doesn't matter. Or you're, you're insignificant or you're this or you're that. When, when you, that mixtape gets rolling, you say, nope, I am loved by God. And when we start living from that foundational idea, that, that brand, that name, that whatever you want to call it, it's, when we live from that place, everything begins to work. Everything starts to mm-hmm. take its rightful place. And so it's not, I think so often in our identity, we are, um, we do allow our pain to be too much of our story. We allow the, the, the season that sucked, the season that was horrible, or that one, that poor decision we made in like five minutes of our life consume our whole identity. Mm-hmm. And I like to just say, 
it's a part of who you are. Embrace it. But it's not all of who you are. Um, give it space. Give it room. Let it be a part. But do not let it take more space in it than it needs to. Um, and, and, again, anchoring yourself in knowing that you're loved by God is the way that we may actually make space for the not-so-perfect stuff in our stories. Mm-hmm. Well, okay. So in our not-so-perfect stories, uh, another thing I love, Mike, of what you're doing when you are working with individuals how, you know, maybe they're in a season where their story is just really messed up. How you talk about just being equal with them, not being their hero, not being there mm-hmm. to solve problems. Um, you know, they might be doing this chatter in their head of all this going on, and you're not going to come over here and try to fix the chatter. You're just going to to love them. And at least and I, it took us a long time to finally get into that where we would feel like we're mentoring someone. And for, for us personally, we don't even really, that word mentor is even strong. It's like, let's just come along and do life together. You know, go to Costco with me. Let's just, let's figure it out. I'm going to grow with you just as much as you're growing. And I think so many times as, as Christians, we do that where we come along someone, you know, come along beside someone and it's like, I'm going to fix you. And, uh, even that, tell, tell us a little bit about what you do. Cause we want to hear more as we're closing here on our show about the, your mission, the nonprofit, um, people of the second chance, how we can get a hold of you and how we can buy this fabulous, fabulous book. So I just asked you five questions. So we'll start out <laughs> with how do you come along someone and just be their, their equal and their heart partner and not try to solve all their problems. Yeah, well, first of all, you, you totally nailed it. It is like, it's the ministry of Costco trips. It's the <laughs> ministry of Starbucks. Uh, it's the ministry of guacamole making and having a, a friend who's going through a tough time over to the house. It mm. doesn't, I always, I teach, so I teach a workshop uh, called Rescue Academy and I train people how to be good heart handlers, how to coach, counsel people uh, when they're going through difficult seasons. I always say this, that that adequate is enough, that mm. we don't have to fix everything, and we're not responsible for every, you know, everything that has gone wrong in this person's story, but we got to show up. It's not okay to not show up. It's not okay just to ignore that person. It's not okay just to pretend that that messy thing didn't just happen in their life. It's we show up, I, I call it holding sacred space for people. It's like you don't have to say anything, you don't fix anything. But you you you're you have a heart to heart connection. You're you're there. You're present. Um, and and I think that that again, adequate is enough to actually just allow God, allow the Holy Spirit to actually do the work and realize that we're not the doers, we're not the fixers, we're not the uh, advice givers. We're just the 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 believers. We believe in you. We believe that God has a plan for you. And I think coming back to the identity part, one of the greatest gifts that we can give people when they're struggling is to remind them who they really are. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that. Yeah, and that's and but we have to remind ourselves who we really are too, because it's yes. hard to give it away when you don't. You're not embracing it yourself. I think that's. I think that's a, the hard part of ministry when you're in ministry and you're 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 giving out to so many people. Sometimes you don't really know how to receive it for yourself. Um, 
and and it's like, okay, well, like you said earlier, if I'm sitting down here, what would I tell somebody else getting out of my own story? And a lot of times we have to do that and get out of our own story and go, okay, what would I tell myself if I'm sitting across the table from there and really uh, see myself as living into and having that God loves me and give second chances. Okay. Any last thing? We have two minutes, Mike. Again, we are so grateful for you coming on. Good, good stuff. Um, and we and just how you've allowed the, some painful moments in your life that God has, you know, transformed and redeemed, and you're using in such and God's using in such amazing ways to just create healing for so many people. So thank you for just your obedience in that. But what is something you want to leave with our listeners before we go? Um, just some kind of a word of encouragement from there is something on the other side of this pain. Yeah. Well, one of the things I actually write about in the book is just this basic, like whenever I'm with people, whenever I'm speaking at a conference or at a church, wherever I might be trained, doing a workshop, I, I want people to know two things. Number one, that they're loved more than they could ever imagine that, that God's love is absolutely real. Even though they, we may block it, we may uh, struggle with receiving it, but we are loved more than we could ever know. And then I think the second half of what I want people to know for sure is that everything's going to be okay. It may be different. It may not be what you thought it was going to be, but we can keep showing up every day and know that our life is not done. Our story is not over. We we're, we're not permanently labeled or stigmatized or marginalized. We don't have to stand on the sidelines. God has a plan for us. And um, that's and good news. That, and thank you. With that, we're going to end. Awesome stuff. Have a great day. Thank you for being a part of this special program, Girlfriended, the show dedicated to the most important woman you know, yourself. It's the show.